Have you ever wondered how God is present and working in ordinary, everyday places? Does God actually care for our troubled world, and how does he care for it? Well, hello, welcome back to the God Story podcast. My name is Brent Siddle, and my very special guest from the United States today on the show is Tim Muehlhoff, a professor of communication at Biola University in La Mirada, California, and a speaker and research consultant for the Center of Marriage and Relationships. And his new book from IVP America into Varsity Press in America, which is just out, is called Eyes to See, Recognizing God's Common Grace in an Unsettled World. So we're talking all about a subject I think our world needs, Tim, common grace. Hello to you. Oh, well, hello to you. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. Now, what is common grace? Well, basically, common grace, as James would describe it, is every good gift comes from God. It originates from God. Now, those good gifts can be misused. They can be misappropriated. But every good thing we can think of comes from God. And, but that's the problem, Brent, is we often don't think that way. We just take Zoom for granted. We take antibiotics for granted. We take um, television um, the arts, uh, music, beauty, we just kind of take it for granted. But James reminds us, no, 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 no. They all originate from God. And then he calls him the father of lights, which many commentators believe James is looking up at the starry sky and seeing a multitude of stars and saying, just as many stars as you can see, that's as many good gifts as God has given to a fallen world. Why do we often not recognize common grace? Why do those of us in the church often frequently not recognize common grace? Well, I think it has to do with expectations. I mean, expectations can make or break a marriage. Expectations can make or break your job. It's all what you expect your boss to do. It's all what you expect your children or coworker to do. And I think that applies to God. So when hard times hit, what do we expect God to do? And what do we expect that to look like? So uh, if you're expecting God to just work in the big and dramatic, which we certainly have a ton of biblical evidence that God certainly has done that, then we're going to be kind of disappointed because some of our answers to prayer are going to come in very subtle ways, not the big dramatic ways. So Brent, I actually started the book with a joke. Your listeners have probably heard the joke. You probably have heard it, but I think it makes a great point. The joke is a man gets word that there's going to be a flash flood and uh, he doesn't take safety because he's convinced that God will save him. Well, sure enough, the floodwaters rise, a boat comes by and they say to him, hey, jump in the boat. These are floodwaters. He goes, no, I'm good. God's going to save me. Well, now he's on the second floor of the house. A helicopter flies by drops down a ladder, says, hey, jump on the ladder. We can take you to safety. He goes, no, I'm good. God's going to save me. Well, eventually you've heard the joke. He's on the roof. He drowns. And now he's standing before God and he's mad. And he goes, hey, why didn't you rescue me? And God goes, what do you want? I sent you a radio message, a boat and a helicopter. Mm -hmm. Well, Brent, my whole premise of the book is why was he disappointed? Because I don't know what he expected God's rescuing to look like. Maybe it was a divine hand come down to pick him up. Maybe it was winds that would blow away the floodwaters. But I'm making the argument that God was in the boat, the helicopter, and he was in the radio message. And if we, we ignore that, then like that man, we're angry at God because you did not respond to my prayer 
in the way that I thought you would have in a big, dramatic, supernatural way. Yes. Why doesn't God uh, instantly answer our prayers? I mean, I often have that question asked of me and people are in trouble. Why doesn't God answer my prayer? Why doesn't God heal me? And I say, well, you've got antibiotics, you've got a hospital, you've got a doctor, you've got a specialist. Yep. And I'll be honest with you, Brent, uh, I'm a migraine sufferer. And about an hour and a half ago, I felt a migraine coming on. And so I took migraine medication. Now I have prayed, Brent, I have prayed that God would heal me of migraines. And, And do I believe that God could do that? Well, yeah, I believe what Paul says in Ephesians, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Well, he hasn't cured me of migraines, but I, I, have a, I can do this interview right now with you because my, my migraine medication kicked in and I'm actually feeling pretty good. Let me know if you're not and we'll... No, we'll we're good. We, we are totally good. And, and I want if to, the conversation... I want to... I want to look after my guest. If the conversation goes off the rails, it was my migraine medication. (laughs) If it was brilliant, it was me. It was totally me. Um, But but now think about that. I I don't want to dismiss the disappointment. Like I I am disappointed that God didn't heal me once and for all of my migraines. By the way, to add salt to the wound, I have a friend who was healed of migraines. Somebody laid hands on him and he is healed of migraines. Well, you know what I do? I just go, well, God, come on. I, I prayed the same prayer. I've even had people lay hands on me and pray for my migraines. Well, I think God's saying, but are you discounting my common grace, which is for sure this migraine medication and talented neurologists? So that's kind of the premise of the book, Brent, is I do not want to discount the supernatural. Uh, I fully believe my friend was healed of migraines. Uh, But to me, God is saying, but don't discount the everyday good gifts that I give you. And what a great way to celebrate the new year is for us now to become in tune to seeing common grace as God's provision to an, and the reason it's called common, he gives it to Christians and non-Christians alike. He does not distinguish between saints and sinners. He gives it to everybody. Yes. Do, do unbelievers get more common grace than believers sometimes, do you think? Well, that's an interesting assertion by one theologian, Wayne Grudem, that I quote in the book. Wayne Grudem has written one of the most popular systematic theologies today. And in it, he has a great chapter on common grace. And in it, he argues it is entirely possible that a non-Christian could get more common grace. In other words, a, a non-Christian carpenter or neurologist could be more skilled a better educated, more insightful than a Christian carpenter or a Christian neurologist. And I think that's brilliant because the book is designed, Brent, not just for us to notice common grace, but it's really designed, how do you use common grace and the illustrations of common grace to have conversations with non-Christian friends, coworkers, and even Christians who are struggling during this seemingly never-ending pandemic of how God is actually active and working in the world today. Yes, we're going to come and talk about the pandemic uh, and the common grace in the pandemic a bit later on. But in what ways can an understanding of common grace help those who question God? Well, I think we all kind of Christian and non-Christian alike want to see God's fingerprints uh, in a fallen world. 
I mean, as much as we struggle and we watch the news and we see that evil is prevalent and that people are struggling, racial issues, uh, Soviet Union threatening to invade a country and um, sex trafficking. And we, and we just want to go, God, like, where are you? Um, you know, Woody Allen once famously said, the only excuse God has is he doesn't exist, which is an interesting quote. Um, so I want to see God's activity. And, and what Common Grace has done, Brent, is it's opened my eyes that, that if we take a look just at medical discoveries, I mean, we, we would be in the dark ages if we didn't have penicillin. I mean, we would maybe not even exist as a human race if it weren't for the invention of penicillin. And what's really cool in the book is I go backwards and research penicillin, and it was kind of totally by accident. Uh, his name's Fletcher. He, he was a lab tech who was kind of messy, and he went off for a vacation and didn't clean his Petri dishes. So when he came back, he noticed that some of the Petri dishes uh, there was fungus growing, but not on all the dishes. And he goes, now, why is that? And why, why were some of the dishes only half covered? That's when he began to notice this thing called penicillin. He wrote an obscure paper about it. Nothing happened. Fast forward to World War II. A British researcher has been tasked by the British government. Hey, our, our soldiers are dying on the bloody battlefields, and we need to find a way of keeping them safe. He goes back all these obscure papers finds the paper and goes oh my gosh this is we, we need to mass produce this and that's the origin of penicillin now i totally recognize that could be a serendipitous moment or it could be god leading both the lab tech and the british researcher but what a great conversation starter Yes, right? and, God, and God working through the foibles and failings of normal creatures and ordinary is is God intervene is God intervening through common grace much more than we think? Oh, completely. I, I mean, we would not be doing this interview if it weren't for common grace for all the technological advances. And by the way, when a pandemic hit, I'm in higher education. I'm a professor. We, we shifted on a dime. And everybody went online. But, but think of the fact that we could do that and not miss a beat. It, I take that for granted. I took Zoom for granted. I take those things. Uh, they're not things I really think about much. But now it's like we, we would be lost without Zoom. And, and we, we've had family reunions, my wife's family, my family. I've reconnected with friends I haven't seen in years. Because it's like, well, why not? I can't fly to Michigan where I'm from, but let's pull all my Michigan friends together and have a reunion. All of that is God's common grace. And that is a beautiful way of God fostering connection in a world where division and polarization and tribalism is separating us. Zoom is bringing us together. Yes, and praise God for Zoom for podcasting too. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing this interview. It's marvelous. I started radio 30 years ago, and we used to do international interviews by landline. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, this is much better. Why does God choose to work through common grace, do you think? Well, I, I think we're to the crux of the issue. Why create a human being? Why even do that? Uh, um, why have human beings care for creation? Can't God do a better, quicker, faster, more efficient job? The answer is unequivocally yes, but he wants to partner with us. 
That's why I think he created human beings. Some people say, well, it's because he wanted us to worship him. But come on. I mean, we know the Bible talks about seraphs, these um, six-winged angels whose only job is to worship God. Well, I don't think I'm going to out-worship a seraph. So uh, I think God loves to partner. So what does he say to the New Testament church? Am I concerned about marginalized, at-risk people? Absolutely. So what's one of the earliest commands the church gets comes from the book of James. True religion in the sight of God is for you to care for orphans and widows in distress, the church to do it. And, and that's part of what we have to do is partner with God, but it's a joy to do that. So God is simply saying in a fallen world, I'm going to make the partnership a little bit better because I'm going to give you tools that you can use to do the things that I'm asking the church to do. Uh, and those tools are common grace. Does God mentor humanity through all these challenges and problems, do you think? Is God mentoring think, us through the COVID crisis, for example? I think he is, Brent. Uh, I quote Denzel Washington, one of the great American actors, who said, I think everybody who's successful has a mentor of some kind. Uh, and I think that's what God loves to do. He loves to come alongside of us and not do it for us. Denzel Washington's mentor didn't do the auditions for him but helped him to become confident and give him the skills to do the auditions. So I think that's exactly what God's doing is he's helping us, giving us the tools, Brent, but not forcing us to use the tools. Like, he, like we could ignore penicillin. We could say, hey, God, thank you so much, but eh, I'm going to go a different route. Well, there's consequences to us ignoring his common grace, his gifts, and us uh, just going in our own direction, which is at the heart of what the human rebellion is all about, as evidenced by Adam and Eve going their own way when it came to the garden. We talked a bit about this, but how, is, how has common grace been demonstrated during the COVID pandemic? Well, I, you know, we, we, I didn't know anything about vaccinations. I mean, I just didn't. I mean, I got my flu shot and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. But there's a long history of vaccinations that, that honestly, if we didn't have vaccinations, we'd be in the dark ages. Well, it was so fun to read medical history books in preparation for writing this book. I didn't know there's a long history of medical technology and cancer research. Uh, oh my gosh, you name it. There have been people studying this forever. And to me, it expanded God's footprint that God has been working since the dawn of humanity to give us certain skills. Uh, in the book, I talk about the top 10 ancient inventions that changed human history. Now, the question becomes, where did these inventions come from? And Brent, we have to ask the question, everybody seemed to be inventing fire at roughly the same time. I, I include in the book an academic paper, Brent, that you don't ever want to read. I mean, it's about the, it's about the, it's about the discovery of fire and who knew it was a well-debated topic, right? So people will argue where it first was developed, but what, what they have consensus on is roughly in the same time period, fire is being discovered by everybody and there's no communication between continents. I mean, imagine what a Zoom call would look like between ancient <laughs> civilizations. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, what are you guys discovering? Hey, there's something called a shoe. A what? A shoe. Well, we're working on fire. What? You froze a little bit. What? Fire. 
that was not happening. But yet we know all across the world, you have these inventions popping up at roughly the same time. Well, I think that needs to be explained. Now we're going back to the abolition of man, C.S. Lewis's awesome book when he's talking about morality. But I'm talking about just inventions. People are getting these inventions in the roughly the same time. And I think that's God mentoring not just one continent, but is mentoring continents all over the place, giving us these ideas. And I have a chapter on communication. And Brent, it is amazing how this um, Jewish proverb, life and death is in the power of the tongue, it, it is almost verbatim quoted by the Buddha, who we know the chances of him coming across the book of Proverbs is almost nil, yet he almost paraphrases it. And then cross-reference that with how the um, uh, Muslims talk about the power of language, Hindus. And listen, it's as if God planted in the mind of people virtuous, life-giving communication. And boy, don't we need that today in today's argument culture. But it seems that idea of virtuous communication was given to everybody. Yes, indeed. How does God's common grace restrain violence, thinking about today's culture? Well, I, I teach self-defense, Brent. I, uh, I teach at domestic violence shelters here in Orange County, both verbal de-escalation and physical self-defense. But I have a great chapter on violence uh, where God did some really interesting things. Now, now, God did not start war, but he wants to mitigate the effects of war. So where did the idea of the Geneva Conventions come from? That's interesting to think about. Where did the idea of just war theory first articulated by Augustine, St. Aquinas, but then self-defense. If you took a map of the world, Brent, in every different location, different forms of self-defense originated. And, and most of these are virtuous. My black belt is in Shaolin Kung Fu. Well, you only use Kung Fu in order to restrain evil. Same thing with many forms of karate, only used for self-defense purposes. And then we even have a form of self-defense called Wing Chun Kung Fu that's named after a woman because a woman developed it. So again, God knows we're going to be violent. So he gives us these ideas of just war theory and self-defense systems that help us protect ourselves against uh, evildoers. Have the arts been, we've talked about science, and I want to come back to one, one or two more science questions in a minute, if I may, but how have the arts been a powerful means of common grace through the centuries? Well, I think art, art can do two things. It can show us the positive and the negative. So it can show us both what good virtuous love looks like, and then it can show us what dysfunctional love can look like. Uh, I'm thinking of the, the movie uh, Marriage Story that came out maybe two years ago that shows the explosion of a marriage. Well, that's God's common grace showing you, hey, don't do this. Like, this is what destroyed the marriage. And he used art to show us that. And then he, you know, we have positive examples of enduring love, you know, through the arts, poetry, music. Um, Les Miserables shows us a, a love that can survive a revolution. So, so God is flooding us with ideas of both, both, good, healthy love, family, dating, sex, and then shows us unhealthy 
counterparts to all of those. And I think all of that is, is God's common grace. Yeah. How does God use artists in a fallen world? Well, and I'm preaching to myself, Brent, uh, people don't like to be preached at. Like people have an aversion to, to me trying to explicitly persuade you. So, so the illustration I use in the book is this. Jean-Paul Sartre, uh, one of the great existentialist thinkers, wrote a book, Brent, think about this, 750 pages long called Being and Nothingness. And, and most academics agree it is brilliant, okay? But nobody read it. <laughs> I mean, imagine if Eyes to See was 750 pages long, um, right? So his, his live-in partner, herself a philosopher and a writer, said to him, listen, don't, write a one-act play. What are you doing writing 750 pages? Write a one-act play. And his one-act play, Brent, is called No Exit. You could read it in an afternoon. And it is one of the most read um, works of fiction ever read, and it's all about existentialism. So there's a way that the artist can get our attention and lower our defenses in a way that the preacher or the teacher can't. So artists get, um, C.S. Lewis said it was a way to get behind the defenses of the dragon. So it's a way to lower our defenses. And, and in my persuasion class, I tell students laughter is the first level of acceptance. If you laugh at something, you have opened the door to accepting it. So think of all the sitcoms that really do have an agenda, be it sexual, political, philosophical. So artists have a great way of opening up our eyes. That's why so much of art is represented in the Bible. God didn't just give us a 750 page proposition. He gave us poetry. He gave us proverbs. He gave us stories and I think God understands that's a way to get past human defenses. Yes, indeed. How does our ability to communicate to reflect common grace? Well, imagine where we'd be if, if, if we couldn't communicate with each other, if we had no way of intellectually understanding each other's messages, if I didn't have the ability to relate to you, if I, ha I didn't have the ability to empathize with you. Now, all of those things are being challenged in today's argument culture, but we, we would be tragic if, if the early humans had no way of sharing ideas through symbols. I mean, Gutenberg's printing press, everybody says that that's one of the key changes in human history is now we disseminated our thoughts vastly to people. Now the internet has blown that up. And again, there's good and bad with all of this. You better believe Adolf Hitler understood the power, right, of, of writing and speaking and communicating as well as a Mother Teresa. So that's the weird thing about common grace, Brent. All of these good gifts can be both used to help and to hurt. Remember Alfred Nobel created dynamite. He created it to be an agricultural tool. And you better believe the military took that in a heartbeat and dynamite became one of the most effective killing tools we've ever had. So every good gift can be used for good or bad. And that's human free will that often uses it positively or negatively. Yes. I want to come back and ask you what, a question about the human immune system, because you make a fascinating uh, statement in the book, which I, it never occurred to me about the fact that the, in your view, the human immune system tells us a lot about God's relation to social justice. 
I think so. I, I mean, we, fortunately, we live in two countries that have a pretty good healthcare system. But, but, but I just returned from Tanzania teaching women self-defense in parts of Tanzania. And my wife tragically broke her wrist while she was in Tanzania. Brent, we went to a Tanzanian hospital that you just shook your head looking at it going, there is no way I'm allowing my wife to get a shot for pain. And what they had was archaic. So, so wouldn't it be tragic if your health depended, if you're, if you're lucky enough to live in a wealthy country? Well, most of the world does not have access to the healthcare that we have. So what does God do is he gives us everybody an immune system that helps us fight off, you know, disease uh, and different things. And that immune system has no geographical boundaries. I mean, everybody gets it. Now it can be compromised for sure, but everybody gets the same immune system. And I think that's God's social justice is, hey, I'm giving this to everybody. I, I mentioned Louis Pasteur, uh, the father of germs theory. He says, listen, science knows no boundaries. You know, medicine knows no boundaries. Well, the human immune system knows no boundaries. Everybody gets one. And thank God, I mean, people wouldn't be able to survive in parts of the world if they didn't have an immune system because that's all they have. Yeah, yeah. And how has God's foreknowledge enabled him to give us the gifts he knows we need as humans? So foreknowledge is God's ability to understand the future. He sees it. Now, there's a lot of debate theologically, philosophically about the nature of foreknowledge, but we can all agree the future doesn't take God by surprise. Uh, so I don't believe God caused the pandemic. I believe the pandemic is a result of a fallen world and a multitude of issues. But God knows the pandemic's coming. So way before the pandemic hit, we had the CDC. We had medical inventions ready to go. I mean, respirators weren't created to respond to COVID, but we already had those. And 95 masks already existed. We just mass produced them. So God sees what's coming. And he could step back and say, well, there you go. You wanted a world without me. You got a world without me. And I'm just going to sit back and watch you guys flounder. And maybe you'll come back to me. He could have done that, but he graciously didn't. And so Psalm 145, the psalmist says, God is compassionate upon the world and gives good gifts to all. So he sees that this is coming. So he gives us these gifts. Hey, you're going to need this. Trust me, you're going to need this type of test, you're going to need vaccines, you're going to need uh, EMS workers, you're going to need frontline workers, you're going to need that. So he gives us these things. Now, whether we use them or not is incumbent upon us, but he graciously gives them to us. Final question. How has your writing and speaking on Common Grace changed the way you view God? Well, let me go back to how we started the interview, uh, a migraine. I, I mean, I could become pretty angry at God, to be honest because he's, I've been suffering from migraines since grad school. So this has been going on, I don't know, maybe 20 years. Well, I could get pretty mad at God and say, God, I've asked and pleaded and prayed and you've not taken away my migraines. Well, I'm like the guy on the roof. I'm pretty mad at you because I drowned and you didn't help me. Well, now, Brent, I take great comfort in the helicopter, the boat and the radio message. To me, that is God ministering to me. So the fact that I could do this interview without a migraine, I think that's God's common grace. And we need to 
uh, thank him, right? Every good gift comes from God, James says. And so now I think I'm more thankful and I see God's hand more readily. And that's the purpose of Eyes to See is that recognize these, keep track of them, actually write them down. Great studies on gratitude. We notice the good gifts and we celebrate them. Uh, and so it, it's really brought me closer to God. Mm. Thank you, Tim. Tim Mulehoff, uh, a professor of communication at Biola University in La Mirada, California. And uh, it, this is a fascinating book. I learned much from it. There's heaps of stuff in it I'd never thought about. Uh, it's from IVP. Yes, sir. You want to can I mention point? one good gift from IVP? You can. To, to your listeners? You can. Okay. So they um, are going to are willing to give your listeners 40% off if they order the book through IVP website. And oh, all you have to do is put in the promotional code and all the promotional code is TM Tim Mulehoff yep. 40, right. which stands for 40% off. So TM 40, you order the book. If your readers want to order a thousand copies, that's awesome. Uh, they can put, T I'm kidding, TM 40 and they'll get 40% off. Right. Okay. We'll put that on the, the web the web link when it goes up. Great. Thank you, Tim. And the book from IVP into Varsity Press America is called Eyes to See, Recognizing God's Common Grace in an Unsettled World. Tim, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to give us a rating and leave a review. This will help more people discover God's story for themselves. If you'd like to get in touch or learn more, please visit godstorypodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's godstorypodcast.com.